It's on. Oh, yeah. That is crisp as always. Well, everybody, welcome back to the Covert Show. This is, I believe, episode, and I'm going to look this up because I, I sometimes get confused, and I want to say the right episode, but sometimes with all of our weird schedules, we haven't been able to keep up with the idea of what number we're on, but this is episode 38 of the Covert Show. I am back. This is Nick with another week being on the solo, but you know what? We don't got a solo this week. We got a guest in the house. Nick finally pulled through, picked up a guest, and you know what? We're back on it. We got some NFL talk coming your way with this guest. Give it up, ladies and gentlemen, of the Covert Show for Mr. Kenny Wexler, a.k.a. Dr. Jack, a.k.a. my best friend, a.k.a. he lives in Vegas if I hadn't said it already. Clap it up for the man. Clap it up. Kenny, how are we feeling today? You know, I'm feeling wonderful. Got a couple of Jameson and Cokes and we're ready to go for the night. See, that's what I love to hear, and this is the fun part, because we always love to crack open a couple of cold ones with the boys on the show, and you know what? I cracked open a bear hug. I've been drinking those the last couple of shows because I like them. They're good. They're an IPA. Kenny's got some Jameson in his office. We love our friend Jim. He's always good. We love Jack. We love Jim. We love James. So, yeah. But, anyways, moving right along here. Kenny, are you ready to talk? Probably one of the best subjects that we both know together. Because prepping for the show, I was like, well, are you going to be one to talk? And he goes, yeah, just don't put me put me on anything else that's not, you know, football. And I said, well, all right, so we'll talk some NFL. But are you ready, sir? I am ready. Let's get it done. <laughs> all right. So first off, we'll break it down a little bit of last week. So last week was a very interesting turn of events when it comes to scheduling of games. I mean, you had... The Bills and the Dolphins, which was a fiasco in itself, just off the, you know, butt punt. Mark Sanchez can finally live down the, the butt fumble, but I, I, you know, it's it's hilarious. As a punter, you should be so aware, one, yes, he was on his back, he was on the back goal line, like he was on the back of the end zone. But you see the whole field in front of you. You see exactly where your dude is, and how do you manage to put a ball right up Main Street? I mean, I don't know. Let's talk about that real quick. Please. When you're looking downfield, you're like, all right, let me catch the ball. Now I'm looking to see where I'm about to punt this. Now I have to try and punt this. I'm more worried on my end of where's the football and where's my foot. I'm not worried about the guy in front of me and where his foot is. No shit. I mean, dude, like – and I get the fact that, yes, punting from your own end zone is stressful. Like, I would not want to do it. And it's like, I, I I could never punt anyways. I was a goalie, so all the punting that I did was kicking the ball back to the other team. But at the same time, it's just like, well, that's the same as punting, I guess. But, I mean, if you really focus in on it, the Bills were, they caught a break there. I mean, it, it counted as a safety, didn't it? It did. You were correct. Oh, well, weird. So, if it's a, if Miami kicks it and they're in the NFL, and it goes to the back of the end zone, it's a safety. But when Alabama, you know, throws a pass that's deflected off of its own pl- or off of another guy, and it goes to the back of the end zone, that doesn't count as a safety. That's neither here nor there. Um, so, yeah, that's a little shot at Saban. But anyways, the Dolphins and Tua ended up just, well, I, I shouldn't really say Tua, because I don't know if he remembers playing in that game at all. He doesn't. <laughs> to be and quite honestly, honest. Let's talk about, let's talk about how Tua got a concussion. Oh, big old concussion. Cleared him. Cleared him and said, you know what, he's good to go. And played the rest of the game. 
Now let's also talk about, and I'm sure for the football players that are watching this, will completely understand being concussed, you don't say the C word on the field. There is no such thing. Oh, yeah. You're always going to play. Now, completely understanding that, Tua had no idea what was going on. For God's sake, how many videos are there of him stumbling? Oh, my gosh. He has no idea what's going on. This man is literally just throwing the ball and hoping it lands. I mean, he – and the worst part of it was is it didn't really look like he hit the ground that hard. Like, yeah, he he hit the ground decently hard, but I I was like, okay, he got up off the ground and everybody kept showing it. Or, like, I saw one video of it, and I was like, oh, yeah, Tua took a big hit. Like, I mean, I'm sure he's going to be walking off fine. And then all of a sudden, he looks like like both of us have seen each other intoxicated and drunk. Like, <laughs> we walk we walk sometimes a little funny. Tua walked like he had a 30-pack of bush light, an entire bottle of Jameson, and then, you know what, decided to smoke with it. I mean, he was freaking, he was mollied out. But he cleared concussion protocol, and that's all that matters in the NFL. Speaking of that, I, I do believe that they're looking into that. Because I was talking to my coworker last night, and he said that they are actually diving into that to see if he, quote-unquote, cleared it or not. So concussion protocol, from what I understand, is basically a couple of questions of who's president, what day is it, and where are you? Well, those seem like pretty easy answers that – Good old Biden is president. Then you have good old uh, Sunday because I'm playing football. Well, that <laughs> seems to be that seems to be relatively easy. Yeah, but but you know what? I think there might need to be a couple of math questions in there or something. You know, make it uh, relatively simple. Yeah, no kidding. But so, anyways, along with that, the Dolphins a- able to pull that one out. They're now one of the only two 3-0 teams in the league. We'll get to the second one here in a second since I brought it up. But the Dolphins start out 3-0. They're 2-0 at home. The Bills shake off a lo- or shake up a loss there. Josh Allen, though, 42 of 63. You're telling me this man threw the ball 63 freaking times and and you lost? Like, I, 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 would, I would really love to enjoy, enjoy saying that Josh Allen got a win on this. 42 of 63, 400 yards, two touchdowns through the air, and you lost. I mean, that that's insane. He does, however, continue it. He is now three straight weeks in of bulldozing some poor-ass dude to the ground. Love the physicality. Oh, my goodness. Josh Allen is a tank. But, yeah, the Dolphins end up pulling it out 21 to 19. Interestingly enough, two of 13 of 18. 186 yards, one touchdown. So moving right along up the schedule here, because, I mean, how much how much of that game did you watch? Because I wasn't able to watch any of the Bills-Dolphins game, and I wasn't sure if you, you – know, I can't remember if you were watching it at all or not. You know, good old shout-out to uh, Sunday Ticket. Oh, gosh, um, yeah, you're watching everything. Yeah, definitely sponsor me right now. Uh, <laughs> I'm watching all – I'm watching eight out of the nine morning games. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of difficult to watch them all, but – I know uh, it, it was one of those games that I was looking at, and I mean, I had a bet on the Chiefs, the Bills, the Rams, and the Ravens. Those were my three bets. First time in my life I had been a chalk better. And the Chiefs lost out, right? And the Bills lost out, right? Two games that I thought were shoe wins. And I was just worried about the Ravens and the Rams covering. 
talk about being ass backwards. Oh, yeah. I mean, and looking at that Colts-Chiefs game, I mean, Matt Ryan decided to to say, you know what, we're, we're underdogging it here. We had a tie against the Texans. We lost to Jacksonville. And, you know, we got the Chiefs coming into town. We might as well shake up somebody's weekend. Shut out by Jacksonville. Oh, yeah. Nonetheless, yes, shut out by Jacksonville. But I, I just thought it was hilarious. So Colts end up beating the Chiefs by three, 20 to 17. They had a they had a full game where they scored in every quarter. Granted, there were two field goals. There was one at, uh, before the half and one after. Mm, excuse me. And then that was pretty much all she wrote. The Colts' defense, the week that I dropped them for fantasy, decided that they actually wanted to play defense. But, yeah, no kidding. <clears throat> Mahomes did have one interception. That was crucial. Josh Allen, I believe, also had an interception on the week. So the two best quarterbacks in the league at the moment were struggling. And, I mean, if you take, if you actually kind of dive into this a little bit more, it was it was definitely the Colts just had, had them beat. There was a couple of bad decisions on the field by Mahomes. But, I mean, otherwise, the Colts had it the whole way. So... Yeah. I, I think that was just a sure thing of looking ahead. Because, I mean, let's see. When I look at this, the Bills this week are facing the Ravens. That should be a tough matchup for them. Real good competitive team. And the Chiefs are playing the Buccaneers. I think we just had a sure thing of, all right, we got this one in the bag. Let's look ahead. What are we playing next week? Mm-hmm. And forgot to play that game. I agree. And that's what the whole thing was. So I think the next week, one, the Bills and the Chiefs are both coming in pitched off because they just lost, uh, needless to say, mediocre teams. Two, two teams that they should have not should not have lost to. Um, basically, the Bills losing that game made the Dolphins look like a Super Bowl contending team, which that is the argument, opinion, yeah. By no means are the Dolphins a Super Bowl contending team. I'm not a fan of Tua. I haven't been a fan of Tua since he got drafted. I truly believe he's the next RG3. And with him getting a new concussion, you know what? I think I'm on pace to being correct on that uh, outcome there. But you know what? Only time will tell. Yeah, no, it. Um, he, ha- he has, because we've roomed together in college, because we both went to college together in Storm Lake, and that's how we met. Um, ever since Tua got on the draft board, he Kenny has not been a fan. And he will voice it every time, every weekend. <laughs> He's voiced it to me multiple times. He goes, I'm not a fan of Tua. I'm not a fan of Tua. And I was like, you know what? I want to ride the Tua train. I do. I really do. But at the same time, one, when you get concussed and drop back, you have two guys like Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill who are the fastest guys in the league. They're easy targets to hit. You should be set up for success already. Now it's a matter of can you continue that success. But then at the same time, I, can't I do it if you're always injured. Yeah, no kidding. I, I do agree with you that the, the Chiefs may have possibly decided, you know what, like let's focus on next week's game. This is not a not a huge up for debate game. We really don't gotta do this. And I mean, granted, that's probably easy that's obviously not the mindset. Like it's that's not what every team is gonna come in and think. But I mean I, I agree that that could have been an idea of we're looking more ahead towards prepping for Brady, who if you actually look at it. This this might actually be Brady's last year. I, I want to kind of hot take that right off the board. I don't We've think Brady been comes back. Saying that for years, Brady. Honestly, you know what? I think the only reason I will agree with you on this one is I think his wife is really sick and tired of him fucking playing football. <laughs> yeah, 
because I, I think the wife is finally having a say, and we all know the words, happy wife, happy life. And mm-hmm. I think he's finally starting to get, I think he's finally starting to sit there and go, you know what, wife ain't happy, and I think, uh, I think we can start uh, doing what she wants, considering she is the breadwinner in that household. As funny as it is to say, good old Tom Brady, probably one of the greatest quarterbacks to play the game. I'll take that hot take. Anyone who wants to take it any day of the week. Mm-hmm. And she makes more money. Yeah, that's hysterical. But I, that's a plus one for the women. Go round of applause for <laughs> women out there. You guys are rocking it. Uh, yeah, that is huge. And because and this is the thing that really drives me towards this idea of this could be and is probably going to be besides the fact of his wife being up his ass is Brady the last this last week did not look good Brady against the Saints really didn't look Brady-esque he didn't have Mike Evans he didn't well he had Mike Evans for part of the game they didn't have him for the rest of it but what for the Aaron Jones game for the what the Aaron Aaron Jones fuck I got Aaron Jones on my uh, fantasy team. We're no, talking about I'm, that for the Packers game. Well, yeah, no, he he didn't have him for the Packers game. He's got him back this week against the Chiefs. But I, what I'm saying is, if you look at still even what he was doing, like granted, he was he was struggling trying to keep himself up as well. Like he he was taking shots all day. Um, he had receivers dropping the ball. He there were so many turnovers in that game as well on both sides of the ball. Rodgers didn't I mean, look all all too sane, and then Brady didn't look too sane, and then also when your de- or when your teams are really just giving up the ball every five seconds. I mean, Brady takes a day off every single week. Mm-hmm. He takes a day off in the middle of the week, and the man was still two and zero. Goes and plays Aaron Rodgers, and still only loses by two points. Mainly because I think he forced a two point conversion that just wasn't there. Oh, easily there. There is no. There is no force. He easily did. Because, I mean, if you – and and that was the thing, too, that I wanted to bring up, so I'm glad you did. When you have a guy who is triple covered on a route like that, just a quick slant across, across the end zone, a little bit of a rollout, and the linebacker is still there as a spy. Like, I mean, you had coverage for Green Bay. So props to Green Bay and Matt LaFleur for being able to get that done. But at the same time – Brady could have sat there for an extra two seconds and went through a check down and went through a progression. I mean, he had time. So I agree with you on that, that Brady forced a ball in the end zone. He had 30, he was 31 of 42 last week. So, I mean, he still had a very good day, but he just, he didn't look like the same Brady. It looked like he was trying to rush and he was very impatient. It was a very impatient 31 completions on, on, on my opinion on that. And then Rogers on the other side, he had one interception that was just that that was bad. I forget I forget if it was a drop or almost a drop, but um yeah, Rodgers did not did not fail against Tom Brady. And I think this might be the last Brady Rodgers matchup that we see. I mean, just think about this beforehand, Brady was three and one against Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. And now I truly believe Brady took that a little bit easy. Because when you watched him play, and if you watch Brady as he's gotten older, and the man's gotten just more in tune with the game, mm-hmm. he plays to the level of his competition. And yeah. Aaron Rodgers has not been the Aaron Rodgers of old lately. Oh, so he no. plays to the level of what Aaron Rodgers is, and that's—I mean, when was last time Brady actually got blown away? 
it doesn't happen. Brady uh, doesn't get blown away. Brady will always keep the game close. And for the love of God, I don't want that man in a two-minute drill against the Denver Broncos. <laughs> we were – this was the best thing. We were sitting <clears throat> on the phone. And my girlfriend's a Packers fan, and Kenny knows this too, because I was sitting there. I was on the phone with you. I was texting her, and I, I sent a text that said – or I sent a snap that I said, I love you. I hate Tom Brady in a two-minute drill. And she just goes, she looked so confused, and she was watching the game too. But I was just like, both you and I were literally screaming at the top of our lungs that, like, literally, we hate Tom Brady with a freaking passion. Like, holy shit. And once again, if you give Tom Brady, I hate Tom Brady in a 30-second drill. Like, Brady, with any time on the clock, more than five seconds, I hate. Down. Because he will find a way to win. I don't know how. I don't know why. He will find a way to freaking win. Or get close. But he ends up falling short to the Packers. 14-12. Big game that week. Going back through. Kenny pulls. I thought this was funny because we were talking on the on the way home. Or when I was driving back to Winterset on Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon. We were talking about Tennessee and Vegas. Kenny never bets on. Or against Ryan Tannehill, and for a good reason, because I told reason, I, one reason only, and my Tennessee fans know it. You never know which one you're going to get. Exactly. You got a Super Bowl MVP, and you have Pee Wee football, <laughs> and there's no in between. I will take the hot take. I will do it. There is no in between. He's either going to stay competitive, or he's going to get blown away, and he's going to forget. But let's talk about this. Derrick Henry, most passes I have seen to Derrick Henry, who is not a receiving running back. Oh, yeah. does not get all well and caught more passes. So I think Tennessee is changing the offense a little bit from we are an all-run offense, which the Browns have kind of taken a little bit more of a turn to. We'll Mm -hmm. get into that a little bit later. But with Derrick Henry, that offense last year was a run-first offense, all running. Oh, yeah. Now we're seeing the first two weeks, Derrick Henry's got about 82 yards rushing. So I think coaches really kind of took the look of stack the line. Don't let Derrick Henry beat us. Let him beat us. Yeah. Now we're looking at, okay, well, if you're, I'm just going to let Derrick Henry run out, run out into the flat. Nobody's going to cover him because he doesn't catch passes. And then yeah. now he's going to catch passes and he's going to run the ball for another 10 yards. Yeah. Wonderful. Great gameplay on Tennessee's side. Hands off to the offensive coordinator there to really get the concept of we might have to switch it up. Yeah, and and what really what really sucks about it is is if this scheme actually works for Tennessee and this is the turnaround, you open up against New York, against the Giants, and you lose by one to the Giants, which is okay. The Giants round also of applause, round of applause to the coach there for the two point conversion. That oh, was yeah. a that, <clears throat> that was, was a win lose situation because he gets it. Everybody, media, everybody's all over him. What a great call! What a great call! Great job! Way to have faith in your players. He doesn't make that and flip the table. Hundred eighty flip of going. Why'd you make that call? Why not just go for overtime? Why don't you have faith in your players that you're going to win in overtime? That man was in a direct win or lose situation. If he doesn't get that, he gets brawl beat by the media. And this is going to be a hot take. 
because, and this is going to be a little bit of a segue, or like not a segue, like a, a rabbit hole. You can't make that same argument for Pete Carroll and the Seahawks back when they didn't hand the ball off. And here, that was just a, I think you can actually. I personally, I'm a, I'm on the side that you can't. Same thing. I understand they had Marshawn Lynch. They had the best running back in the league. That man could run through a brick wall. Does not matter. That man could run. But they make a pass. And I guarantee if he sits there, if they get that play where they're passing and they make that touchdown, they win. 100%. He can sit there and go, they were expecting the run. We went for the pass because we had faith in our quarterback. We had faith in our receivers. If he goes for the run and he doesn't get it, well, he can sit there and go, oh, well, we had we had faith that uh, Marshawn Lynch could run through anybody. Right there, he was in, but because they didn't get it, that's because everyone said something. Well, and see, my, my argument on that is Marshawn Lynch was making New England his bitch the entire night. I'm going to apologize. I'll have to text JC tomorrow and be like, hey, we, we're, we're getting into it a little bit. Because usually we have an explicit mark on the show, and everybody knows this. We'll we'll say it here and there, but I mean, we might as well probably at some point this conversations will get heated and funny, and we'll laugh. But anyways, no, I don't have a beat button. Sadly, I have a five hundred dollar road board that I'm sitting here recording from work, and I don't have a I don't have a beat button. I've got an elk bugle though. <laughs> hey, you know what? Just go ahead and make it a five hundred one dollar cable. Add one more button to that. <laughs> Literally, though, on this board we have, because this is my, like, work podcast board from from my office, and there's the podcast intro that they had on there, there's a turkey goblin, there's the woods, crickets, and then there's uh, an elk bugle. But I don't know if I would press it, if it would go in the recording or not. I really, 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 really want to find out. We'll find out later, though, because I do want to say this. Tom, or... Not Tom Brady. The Patriots were getting absolutely just blitzed by Marshawn Lynch in that Super Bowl. I personally think that even if they stacked the box, if they did a play more of a play fake with the Marshawn Lynch situation, instead of throwing it straight into the middle of the same thing that Tom Brady was trying to do this last weekend, it was it was gonna be that pass was bound for disaster. I'll just say it right now. Like, I don't know what what the whole Russell Wilson situation was there. But anyways, you can. You can't make the argument for it. I'm on the argument that you're against. Kenny's on the argument for. But then again, at the same time, yes, that was a gutsy play call by by the Giants head coach. Going for two. And if Derrick Henry can keep this up, because here, here's a look at Derrick Henry at the moment. He's got 192 yards of rushing in the first three games. I'm going to let that sink in really 100, fast. 110 of those came in week three. Yeah. He has 54 carries and only two touchdowns on the ground. So that's huge. That Just that number break alone shows you that Derrick Henry is getting used somewhere else, which is fantastic because it, if you're going to last in the NFL as a running back, as a power back, it's a little bit harder because you're going to run through. Leonard Fournette, he's going he's gonna to run out of steam here in a little bit. That's why I think guys like Adrian Peterson and granted Marshawn Lynch was just a freak of nature, but being able to run through guys, uh, Tomlinson, he was a speed back. He was good. He could truck some people, don't get me wrong, but he was he was built for speed. And you get a guy like Marshawn Lynch, who's just, or not Marshawn Lynch, Derrick Henry, excuse me, especially when he was at Alabama and he was just running through guys in the SEC. I mean, damn, it was huge. 
But then against the Bills, did nothing. But the Bills' run defense is insanely good. The Bills can stop a run, even though they struggled a little bit last week or that in that week. And then they get to the Raiders, who I in the morning I said the Raiders were going to pull it out, and they damn about did. But Titans get the win, twenty-four to twenty-two. As you, or as Kenny said, there was a lot of uh, use for Derrick Henry on the outside with the passing, and I would actually like to see that happen more. I would actually like to see Tennessee get some success or some success off that. So, so far they're one and zero with it. So yeah. let's see if they can make it two and zero. No kidding. But we'll go through a couple of quick wrap ups here through these scores before we move on to the next week, even though we do have a couple of hot, just hot topics because you did text me about one. We'll give the people a break really quick. The Bears ended up beating the Texans 23-20 to last week. <clears throat> Vikings take down Detroit, finally, 28-24. to Baltimore ends up beating New England 37-26. to Lamar Jackson just continuing to still be, be very athletic, but Mac Jones is trying to make an argument for himself in New England, becoming the quote-unquote next Brady. Um, the Bengals pick up a win finally, twenty-seven to twelve. The 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 sob out woes are over for Joe Burrow. He got a win on the year. Washington ends up getting dominated by Philadelphia. Jalen Hurts and that Eagles offense continuing to just move, 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 move. We love to see it. I picked him up in a new fantasy league for the for the remainder of the season. So we'll have to see. Carolina ends up beating New Orleans twenty-two to fourteen. We'll get to this next score in a second. Uh, the Rams take down the Cardinals 20-12. Atlanta takes down Seattle 27-23. Green Bay, Brady, we already covered that one. And now, before we get – and then also, we'll start with this one here because we'll we'll go through these two scores here first. Jacksonville takes down the Chargers in a big way, 38-10. We'll hop back to that in a second. The Broncos end up getting a win at home. They're 2-1. and one. Don't know how, but they're two and one. 11 to 10 over San Francisco. And now Kenny, also Thursday night football last week, the Browns end up beating the Steelers 29 to 17, even after a fantastic catch on the outside edge, which was awesome. I covered that in the last show also. Um, diving into this because Kenny, you had a hot topic about this Dallas game. The Cowboys ended up beating Giants 23-16. Dak Prescott is still gone. He's still out even after getting that huge contract. But you know what? Injuries plague. Cooper Rush. I don't know who else has ever heard of the name Cooper Rush. And to be honest, I really hadn't before this season. But somebody decided to, to say that Cooper Rush is 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 going to help Dallas. And Kenny, you, you texted me this yesterday. You said, and I quote, because I am reading this, Cooper Rush is 2-0. If Prescott comes back and loses his first game, do they call for Cooper Rush back? I'm going to let you take the floor on this because I would love to hear what you say first. So let me just <laughs> talk about this real quick. Uh, Cooper Rush is 3-0 and in his three start. He is 2-0 this year. We'll play this with me for a second. Where, where was Cooper his third Rush start? On, let's say he go. let's say... Dak Prescott is going to be out for probably six to seven weeks. Okay. Let's say seven weeks to make it easy. Let's say Cooper Rush goes five and two. Five and two. That would make that that makes a pretty decent argument for he's doing a damn good job because at that point he's beating some real good teams. And 
before you dive onto that, here's the rest of the schedule before. So if Dak Prescott is out for another seven, we'll give him seven, seven weeks. Here's what you got. At home versus Washington. Back-to-back road game against the Rams and the Eagles. Both both high-quality high teams. You got home versus the Lions and the Bears. On the road against the Packers and the Vikings. So take one, two, three, four, five, six. Vikings game would be seven. You have a rematch with the Giants. For that eighth game. On basically Thanksgiving weekend. I... How how do you see the the remainder of the schedule going for that? I'm interested to see what what do you think Cooper Rush does? Who who so gives who gives him a who gives him the first fit? Is it going to be L.A. or is it going to be the Eagles? Or does somehow he gets through those and the Packers give him a fit? You know, I think we look at this right. We say a win against the Commanders, hands down. We say right. we we're going to say that Matthew Stafford gets how to play football like he kind of. <laughs> Did last week. Sorry yeah. to the fantasy owners out there. Yeah. I'm one of them uh, that got absolutely mauled over by good old Matthew Stafford against the uh, Cardinals. Zero <laughs> touchdowns. But let's say he takes a win against the Rams, right? Now he's 4-0. and Yeah. He plays the Eagles. Let's say he takes a loss to the Eagles. He takes a win against the Lions. He takes a win against the Bears. All right, we're sitting here now. This man is six and one as a starter. And then let's say he goes in here against the Packers. Maybe Aaron Rodgers gets his head out of his ass, learns how to play old Rodgers football, and he plays, and Rodgers wins. We got the Vikings. We never know which Kirk Cousins is going to show up. So we're going to say he's going to beat Kirk Cousins. This man at that point is now seven and two. Seven and two. Eight and two as a starter in the NFL. Seven and two as a starter this year. They're going to bring back Dak Prescott because, as all of the coaches have said, Dak is our quarterback. Yep, you have to. Give him a game. Who is, after the Vikings game, who do they play? Giants. And then the the Colts. They play the Giants. They play the Giants and then the Colts, which. Arguably, Dak Prescott should be able to come back and win. <laughs> okay, hold on here. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna set this up for you to continue your argument, but also if you have any thoughts about it, this might be funny as shit. So if Dak Prescott comes back on November 24th against the Giants, he will have the Giants, he will have the Colts, he will have the Texans, and then unless the Jags keep doing what they're doing. And granted, even if they're even if they're even in the middle of the road as a Jags team, I'm I'm still not sold on the Jags yet. But you have the Giants, Colts, Texans, Jags, all four weeks in a row. If Dak Prescott comes back and plays any of those games, so just a heads up there. Continue. So now let's continue <laughs> this. We're gonna say Dak Prescott. Dak's our quarterback. Let's go. Stamp that down. Dak Prescott comes back. And we're going to say he loses by a field goal to the Giants. Oh, boy. He loses by a field goal to the Giants. You're going to tell me a 7-2 and two team with Cooper Rush and that fan pace 
doesn't say we want Cooper Rush back. That fan base, we them boys fan base. <laughs> we them boys. Is, that fan base is going to say we're riding with Dak. Dak loses to the Giants. He comes back, loses to the Colts, and you're telling me that fan base doesn't say trade Dak Prescott. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I'm with Run you on that, that one. scenario with me. Now, granted, there's also the polar opposite to that, that he beats the Commanders. He loses to the Rams. He loses to the Eagles. He beats the Lions. He loses to the Bears. He loses to the Packers. He loses to the Vikings. And everyone goes, please give us Jack back. There's the polar opposite to that, too. I'm oh, being yeah. a little bit optimistic here for Cooper Rush because, you know, he's shown that he can beat bad teams. And I don't want to say that the Commanders are a bad team, but when you score two points, it's really hard not to call you a bad team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and here's here's the funny thing I do want to take a look at as well. Granted, the first game of the year, they played the Bucks. That's that's a hot start. You're probably bound to lose that one, which they did. Cooper Rush in the start, coming off of the Bengals. Granted, the Bengals have struggled this year, and it's only week three. It's coming up on week four. We we hear you. No, 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 no. I'm going to take a timeout real quick. Timeout, timeout. <laughs> oh, boy. The Bengals have not struggled. The, the Bengals, Bengals have sucked have not struggled. The Bengals have not struggled. The offensive line has struggled. Do not blame that entire Bengals team for a dog shit offensive line. Go I'm... ahead and hit that little boost button for me. <laughs> Hold on, let's see. I pressed the button. It didn't work. I don't know. That I pressed two buttons. I believe that man has been sacked 12 times. Yeah, it's... 12 times in three weeks. I believe that's the number. Yeah. Oh, there it is. Did you hear that? I don't know. I hit the button. I had it turned I, I down. Sorry. I did hear that. That, that was an help. That was not a move. <laughs> that's the only one I got. <laughs> Anyways, continue. The Bengals... But, Horrible line. You cannot blame that off. You cannot blame that team for that. No. You can't. You're going to tell me. You're going to sit there and you're going to blame the. You're going to say the Bengals are doing are doing bad because the man doesn't have three milliseconds mm-hmm. to throw the ball before he's got a man in his face. And here, here's the interesting point with that. You take a look at last year, and you pretty much really didn't lose anything as a Bengals team coming into this year offense, like on the offensive front. You lost really nothing. If not, you didn't lose anything. Joe Burrow got hit so much last year, and I thought this was funny, and we'll, we always apparently give shout-outs to other podcasts, but it, it's a reference more or less. Pat McAfee was talking about it, I think from this year earlier. He goes, Joe Burrow won a team, or won, like one with a team that didn't block for him at all, made it to a playoff, made it to a Super Bowl for, like, one of the first times in Bengals history, like, within the last, like, 20-plus years, in his, like, second year in the NFL. By getting sacked almost 8 to 10 times a game, or at least getting hit almost 20 times a game. If you want to keep this man healthy, pay better frontmen, or they're... I'm I'm sorry, fucking run them, dude. 
you you cannot have an offensive line like Cincinnati and expect to win any more games. Last year was an interesting year just because Joe Burrow decided to become Joe Shiesty again and just run it. If he decides to become Joe Shiesty again this year again and run it, then the Bengals are back, Super Bowl team, everything. Because they have the talent to be a Super Bowl team. I mean, the Bengals have the ability with Joe Burrow to be able at least to be a playoff contending team every single year that they have him. As long now, as they talk about that, right? What? Bengals right now are one and two. Oh yeah, bad, abysmal one and two. And once one again, and two. once again, two, not hit, not the fault of the team. Here. Joe Burrow has been sacked fifteen times, seven times in week one, six times in week two, and two times in week three against a bad Jets defense. So good to know the Bengals can stop something. <laughs> and but here's Week here's one the one against Pittsburgh. <laughs> seven seven against Pittsburgh. Ugh. Lost in overtime. Yeah. We're gonna look at Week Two against good old we them boys. Six six in Week Two against the Cowboys. Yeah. Two teams that are. Not bad. They're not great, but definitely teams that could could make a run for playoffs, depending on how well they play this year. I know Mitch Trubisky is a whole other argument because if you look at his wide receivers, they fucking hate him. Oh, please! You watch some of those games, but his wide receivers are doing halfway backflips on the field when he throws a pass. I missing wide open targets. And Anyways, this is and this is why I keep saying Yeah, I know. We'll get back on the we'll get back on the Trubisky topic as well because I have a th- I have a thing about it, but keep going. But so we're gonna look at this, right? Now we're gonna go to the Jets, right? We we beat the Jets. Good. We beat teams we're supposed to beat. You were also supposed to beat Pittsburgh. You Who you handled last year. Backup quarterback in doubt. A backup quarterback. That pisses me off almost as much as Russell Wilson, $230 million Russell Wilson, losing to a backup Geno Smith. (laughs) Okay. I did warn that it was going to get heated here. We're starting to get into that topic. I love it. Fiery, continue. But so now, right, next week, we got the good old Bengals going against the Wonderful Miami Dolphins possibly going up against a backup quarterback again. Possibly. Yeah. Possibly. I don't even know who the Dolphins' backup is. I'll take a look. I'll, I'll have a look. But keep but going. Take a look at that, right? Miami Dolphins. We're going to take a look at the Miami Dolphins' defense. Miami Dolphins' defense. Oh, it's Bridgewater. <laughs> <laughs> it's Bridgewater. I forgot. It's Bridgewater. Teddy Bridgewater. Yep, that, okay. That's going up against Teddy Bridgewater in week four with a passing defense that's ranked 31st, a rushing defense that's ranked 20th. Now. Also, they have, in the last in the last two weeks, they've given up a total of, of 57 points as a defense. So, just to put that now, out there in perspective. Does that mean that they should win? Are the Bengals supposed to beat what looks like, on paper, a bad defense? 
I'm gonna go with yes because they're go- they're not going against Tua. They're going against possibly a backup or a concussed Tua, which you can also count as a backup. <laughs> you just want to count Tua as a backup, even if the man's healthy. You know what? Honestly, we won't get into that discussion. I really don't. <laughs> but, All right. But I mean, you can't even. I mean, you look at this offense, right? And the stats are. We. I mean, granted, the stats are only based off of three weeks, but I mean, Tua in that offense between Waddle and Hill. Tua and Hill, and who knows who the running back is because it's a pass-first offense. Beat Buffalo, scores 21 points, beats the Ravens in some unknowingly fashion with 42 points, and that's the offense where those stats are built off of. Do the Bengals, who are a four-point favorite, win? Does that offensive line give Joe Burrow enough time to compete? I'm gonna. I'm gonna that's actually take. Question. Does he get enough time to compete? Because that's all the man has to do. He's still Joe Burrow. He's oh yeah. Still got the Joe Shiesty in him. That's but never does going away. He have enough time to compete, or does he get sacked six times again? If he gets sacked six times again, he loses that game. Yeah, one hundred percent. Because the man is just in fear for his life the whole time. And oddly enough. Joe Burrow still has 812 yards of passing with six touchdowns. He he has thrown four picks, and that and that's He's the big that's the big number. Quarterback. Oh He's yeah, just a good quarterback. There's no other way you can put that. He's good. He's he's a dog. He's just good. Yep. Now, take a look at it. Does he have enough time? And I'm not the only person saying this. Ninety percent of the other fucking podcasts are saying this in the world. Joe Burrow is a good quarterback, but his offensive line is going to be the death of him. Yeah, I agree. Joe Mixon, I believe, is the running back. Have you even heard of Joe Mixon and his stats lately? Taking a look at it, no, and because Joe Mixon is the is the running back there for for the Bengals as, as this loads. Give me two seconds. Let's take a look at this. Fifty-eight carries, hundred and sixty-three yards. Yeah, no zero touchdowns. Touchdown. Zero touchdowns. Do you want to know why? Because if he gets put on the goal line, he doesn't have an offensive line to open up a hole. He has an offensive line that gets pancaked on the offensive line. (laughs) That is true. So. What else are you going to do there? What else are you going to do? I, to be honest, I don't know. I feel, I feel bad for Burrow because that, and that's the biggest thing is like he was still successful last year with a line and we'll see how this game goes literally within 24 hours because if this podcast gets put out tomorrow, if not, it'll be out Friday. Miami plays the Bengals on Thursday night, tomorrow, September 20th or September 29th to be exact for anybody else that misses this early. I can tell you right now, I can tell you right now, Bengals are minus four over under 47. I am taking the Dolphins and under. There you go. Dolphins plus four and under. Well, I'm actually... Put it out there. That's what I'm taking. Why am I taking that? Because I have faith that a possible concussed Tua or Teddy freaking Bridgewater (laughs) can beat 
the Bengals' offensive line. Now, notice I didn't say the Bengals. I said the Bengals' offensive line. Yeah, and uh, that's it. I agree. That's, that's the, the emphasis. Whole, that's the whole thing. Yeah, I agree. That's the emphasis. I'm going to also have to take the Dolphins on it. I think just just weapons-wise, Joe Burrow might be a touch outmatched, but at the same time, offensive line, if you can't give him enough time, even against one of the worst defenses in the league, you ain't, strut- or you ain't strutting. So I think the Bengals get, get a loss at home. And with that, we'll jump into this next week here. So starting off on the Sunday games, the 8.30 in the morning game in London, the Vikings got the Saints... I think I would have to, I don't know if I'll be able to watch that one. I might be in a tree watching that one, or at least thinking about it. But the Vikings got the Saints. The Browns have the Falcons coming up just to list off the noon slates, or for good old Kenneth Wexler, what, you're two hours behind me, one hour? 10 a.m., baby. 10 a.m., baby. 10 a.m., Bloody Mary, and then a bush light or a Bud Light afterwards. So the Falcons and the Browns take off that noon spot, game number one. Dallas and the Commanders take off number two. Detroit and Seattle square off at noon as well. The Colts, Titans, Giants versus the Bears. This is probably I'm gonna I'm actually gonna say this because <clears throat> I have no 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 hard feelings about it. This is the game of the week. One. Who's that? Oh, just wait. You're gonna you're gonna laugh at me. And as we're 45 minutes into this NFL talk, we're gonna finally get into them. The Philadelphia Eagles take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. We have only three teams left that are undefeated. Two of them square off against each other this week, the Jags and the Eagles. Now, here's the question, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Wexler, anybody else listening? The Jags are 3-0. What? Did he just say that? Yeah, the Jags are 3-0. If you haven't paid attention to football, here we go. The Eagles Jags are three and zero. What? Jags are two and one. No, they're not. They're three. Oh, they are two and one. Oh yeah, I forgot. Never mind. Jags are two and one. It's all right. Dolphins were three and zero. My bad. Unfactual information. Sorry. Two undefeated teams left. Dolphins, Eagles. Sorry, I got excited. But the Jags are two and one. Like I, I want this could be the game of the week. And like I said, I I really don't know. But at the same time, that the way the Jags have been playing. This is the most points that the Jags have actually been able to score within the last five year, or within the last two years, especially. This is the most points they've been able to score with Trevor Lawrence as their quarterback, who's one of the most dynamic guys that came out of that draft class. But just one of the best in all, I want to say, accurate arms. He's got accuracy. He's got deep ball strength. They beat the Colts twenty four or twenty four nothing in week in week two. Then. The Chargers come to town, or they they go to Chargers land, and apparently decide we're going to open up a can of whoop ass. Thirty eight to ten beat down on the Chargers coming into the Eagles. I think this is the Jags' probably toughest schedule of the year, or like toughest one of the toughest games besides going to face Mahomes, besides getting the Raiders and the Ravens in all three back to back weeks. I think that this is the Jags' toughest game because this is what it says. If they beat the Eagles, this means that the Jags could possibly be legit. And they are sitting high. And Trevor Lawrence, and after you fire Urban Meyer, which, thank God, you now have a good offensive scheme to where you're able to use Lawrence on a moving route. Because Trevor Lawrence, to me, honestly, has been, if you look at his tapes, has been much better being able to kind of control his own pocket and move. 
and he makes much better ball decisions. He is able to actually do his checks, and he is able to actually deliver a good pass. Now, on the other side of that spectrum, you have Jalen Hurts, who this year apparently he he's pissed he missed out on a Heisman because he wants the NFL version of the MVP, or the NFL version of the Heisman, which probably would just be league MVP. But Jalen Hurts is going off. And this Eagles team is going off. How do you see this one going? Because I, I personally, I think the Eagles are going to win. But I would call, and I, I told, shit. You know what? No. Screw it. I call the Jags upset. Because I didn't call it last week and it happened. And I want the Jags upset. I did. I told you that the Jags were going to do it, though. I told you. I said, I have a feeling that the Jags are going to beat the Chargers. Jags plus six. I had Jags plus six. So, do you have the Jags beating the Eagles? No. Okay. I don't. Wow. I I decided to really hype that up to get just a shot in the foot. Wow. I was so excited. I hate to tell you, buddy. I really do. Calm down, Lee Corso. I don't. I don't have the Jags. The the Jags last week upset and injured Justin Herbert. True. A not having Keenan Allen offense. Chargers offense. That's what last week was. No excuse to the defense there. That I don't know what. I mean, Joey <laughs> doesn't Bosa, have a reason. Joey Bosa got hurt, but I mean, I didn't realize Joey Bosa was the entire defense. defense. Well, all right. I mean, we're, I mean, we're looking at this. Trevor Lawrence, twenty-eight for thirty-nine, two hundred sixty-two yards, three passing touchdowns. James Robinson. 17 rushes, 100 yards, three targets, and a touchdown. We look at Christian Kirk not even being the number one. Zay Jones is the number one. 10 receptions, 85 yards, and a touchdown. Let's take a look at the Chargers here. Justin Herbert, 25 for 45. 297 yards passing, one passing touchdown, one reception, and only one sack. Good on them for protecting their injured quarterback. Yeah, no only kidding. One sack. Look on this. We got Sonny Michael. I don't even know who Sonny Michael is. It was their leading <laughs> rusher. Five rushes, 22 yards. Austin Eckler. We all know who Austin Eckler is, right? Correct. The guy who was taken like somewhere in the first round of your fantasy draft that has four rushes for five yards. <laughs> the hard spots. Yeah, yeah somebody, uh, somebody out there is throwing their, their throwing their phone. Oh yeah. It's somebody bad. is. And then we got good old Joshua Palmer. Who? Six receptions, ninety nine yards. Yeah. Mike Williams. We all know who Mike Williams is, right? That guy? That guy was probably taken somewhere in your draft. Probably in like the sixth, seventh round. Uh one reception for fifteen yards. Yeah, that guy oh, but he got a touchdown. He had a touchdown, so he probably had 8.5, maybe 9.5, depending on your PPR and your league. Depending. Depending, right? You're you're sitting wherever you sit, that, but regardless. That is why. That right there is why the Chargers lost. 
don't give me this Jacksonville is all high and mighty. No, they lost because Sonny Michael was the leading rusher and Joshua Palmer was the leading receiver. Who the hell are these guys? <laughs> it's like the movie Major League. You're sitting there and the Chargers are just like, Mr. Vaughn, well, look at your waiver you wire. Play? I guarantee both those guys are available. Yeah. Like, so, really? Come on now. And then we're going to sit here and we're going to compare that to going over to an Eagles offense that is ranked first in total yards, third in passing, seventh in rushing, fifth in points, and second and third down percentage. Come on. No, the Jags don't <laughs> have a shot. All I'm saying is, I didn't pick the upset last year or last week. This week, like they should have lost last week. I don't know, man. I I took the Jags plus six and a half because I'm a dog better. All evidence to the contrary, I took the Bills and the Chiefs. We saw how that ended for me. I'm gonna go back to my ways of being a dog better. I was gonna say then take the bet here, give the Jags a little bit of a chance. Not even <laughs> I probably won't even touch this game because I'm talking so much about it. Yeah. But no, I have the Eagles 100%. Minus six and a half. I always hate the minus six and a half. Always hate that. You've got to win by a touchdown for some reason. That game will probably end in a field goal. And that's that, that was the most scary part about rooming with him, ladies and gentlemen, was the fact that anytime it was Sunday, we would all laugh and secretly deep down we were fearing for our souls because as soon as there was something bad happened or somebody went over or nobody could kick a field goal and all of a sudden from the other room kick the fucking field goal kick the damn ball what are we doing like we need to score and then all of a sudden you just hear just desk hand slam fuck i'm like i'm like straight i'm running i'm running to the serve it's gone <laughs> What the hell is going on in there? Hello? Hear <laughs> me now? Yeah, I guess. I don't know what the hell you did. <laughs> you know what? I, I I enrolled in my inner Tommy boy. Oh, no. In a little coat. Oh, man. <laughs> but it wouldn't be fireworks without having Kenny Wexler on the mic. But anyways... <clears throat> So apparently he's got the Eagles, I got the Jags. We'll see how that game comes out. It's going to be, we'll see. The Jets got the Steelers coming up. The Bills and the Ravens, that should be another good game. Josh Allen trying to get back on track after last week's just interesting throwing decision at the end. Josh and then, Allen and Von Miller are pissed. Oh, dude. Give me the Bills. Yeah, give me the Bills. I'm honestly, like, I'm, I'm here for it. Give me the Bills because I like Lamar Jackson as a quarterback and I like the Ravens team. Um, I don't care who's. The, I don't care. You could have Joe Montana at quarterback. You're on the other. The you're on the receiving end of a Von Miller beatdown, buddy. I don't care who is on the other end of that. You give me an all-star team. The Bills are pissed off, and that is a Super Bowl contend. That is a real Super Bowl contending team. Oh yeah. That is a team that just overlooked the Dolphins and lost. We've all seen it. Every sports fan has seen it. The team that just got overlooked and they lost. Yep. Now they're going to come out this week even freaking better because they're going to come out as winners. They're going to come out looking like they want to win. You're not going to have the same Josh Allen easy. You're not going to have the same Von Miller easy. Von Miller has four sacks. 
He's looking for he's looking for six in this game. Von Miller put the over under at four sacks for Von Miller. Thank you. Josh Allen throws for four hundred yards. Holy over shit. under. I'll take it any day of the week. All right. I like it. We're spicing it up here. So Bills over the over the Ravens. The Chargers got the Texans. The Cardinals got Carolina. Baker Mayfield. And I don't care if we talk about it or not. But Baker Mayfield, poor dude. Just Panthers Panthers people are probably saying, hey, we we wasted some money, but you know what? Oh, well. That game's at 305. Let's, see, let's take a look at this. You mean Christian McCaffrey, 50 carries, 243 yards, <laughs> yeah. and only one touchdown? Yeah. One touchdown. Once again, fantasy. Fantasy players, oh, if you had... Beating the, heads against six, the wall. If you had the 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 in your draft, you are winning your fantasy team right now. Strictly because you had the back end and you didn't have the chance to get Eckler, McCaffrey, or uh, Henry. And you're sitting That's there giggling. That's why you're in your fantasy league right now. You got lucky and you, you – if you're anything like my league, you got crapped on the previous year. So you got to be – or you were good in your previous year, so you got to be in the back end. Yeah. Right? So now you have guys like me who I have the number four pick because, you know, we're racking it in. Good old Derrick Henry, he's got this. Suck. Austin Eckler. <laughs> suck. Damn. Christian McCaffrey. Suck. suck. <laughs> I love it. We're throwing we're throwing everybody under the bus. I it, this is we're used to let's doing it a, though on this show. Let's take a look at the receiving core for Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, forty two for eighty one. He's just a smidge over fifty percent completion, five hundred and fifty yards passing, three touchdowns, but hey, he's only got one interception. That's got got to give him something. He's only got minus two points. Look at that. He's got to have something for him. Garbage. Yeah. Mayfield. He's garbage. Stephen Core. Garbage. Yeah. It's good it... old Robbie Anderson. I was one of the guys. He had a great first week. I picked him up. Robbie Anderson has six points in fantasy over the next two weeks. Yeah. It's safe to say that Carolina. My did little not cousin think that, that was just born two months ago could get more than six points in fantasy. Wow. We're targeting family now. All right. I am livid. That <laughs> I know. I have, to, my roster. I have to deal with calls with this man. <laughs> and I say deal with more or less just a laugh because I love getting these calls because I know exactly what my ass is getting into as soon as I pick up the phone. Or there's a text message or something, and I all of a sudden just see Dr. Jack Wexler. I am giggling because, one, he's either pissed or he's right as rain, and then five seconds later it's going to be the exact opposite emotion. But, yes. By the way, hot news, fresh off the press, Judge ties Roger Merritt, 61st home run of the season. He Hell finally yes! Hot off the press. He didn't walk. And we'll get to that in a second because I was going right to MLB. Let's finish out the NFL real fast because we're we're an hour into the show. And we have not talked about anything else but the NFL. And honestly, if anybody is shocked about this, listening to the Covert Show on episode 38, this is what we do. And I know Kenny said he might have to go at one point, but you know what? He can talk baseball with us maybe for five seconds. But at the same time, here we go. We got New England and Green Bay. Pack versus the Pack versus the Pats. That's in Green Bay. That's at 325. Denver and the Raiders squaring off against the AFC West matchup. That one should be 
I would like to say good. But at the same time, I, I'm baffled, flabbergasted, discombobulated to say the least about what the Broncos offense and what the coaching situation is doing there because he looked like shit. Two. Let's see. Let's, let's get exact numbers here because we love exact numbers on this show. I'm sure we do. I'm first time here. I guarantee you. We do. And, and as you pull that up here, what are you looking at? Where did you go from your phone, dude? Hold on one sec, Wex. <laughs> I don't know. Wow. Forty three points and three weeks for two hundred and forty five million dollars. Now, I don't know any of you that are watching this. Hold on. Hey, Wexler, can you hear me for two seconds? I don't think he <laughs> Kenneth? I mean, oh, I would be personally. You kind of get four yards of play. Maybe, maybe. I know there was one passing that he liked to do. Uh, he had a specific thing like that. Oh, God. <laughs> wide open. In this case, wide open. Right in front of him. That was an I don't believe Russell Wilson still touchdown. No. No, no, I'm wrong. Yeah, one touchdown. We're looking at. I don't know what we're looking at. Two hundred forty-five million dollars is a one touchdown. Be great. We got zero passing touchdowns. We got two bucks, two bags of that shit. It's really nobody, nobody, nobody. Come on. Kenny, I don't think any. Where did you go, bud? Where's the How much time was lost there? I just, <laughs> what the hell? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Where did you go? Uh, you connected to my headphones. I connected your headphones? Okay. You're going to <laughs> The audio was so cut out, so I'm going to give you a chance to re-explain everything that you were just saying about Russell Wilson. Starting now, give me two seconds. I will be right back as you do because I'm laughing too hard, okay? Wow. What was the last thing you heard? $245 million, that was probably it. Yeah, $245 million dollars and then it was just gone oh so start oh you missed such a good topic okay there. start from start from million. there and be able to fill like about a minute go 245 million 245 million he scored 43 points 43 points in the last three weeks now 
with that, he's had two passing touchdowns. Two passing touchdowns in three weeks. 743 yards passing. 60% completion rate. But you know what? I'll take this shot at him real quick. Not hard to have a high completion rate when your average passing yard is like 10 yards. Also here, also, why are we not letting Russ run? $245 million, you pay him to be your quarterback. That's your dude. You're sticking with him. <clears throat> stick with Russ the same way the Cowboys are going to stick with Dak when he comes back. Let the man run. His last drive against San Francisco, what did he do? He ran. What happened? He scored. Maybe if we let the man do what he did in Seattle, he's going to produce the same. Why are we trying to change his game? If you want a pocket passer, go pay Tom Brady next time. This is ridiculous, the amount of garbage I'm seeing. Hats off. Thank you to the Broncos defense for giving us half of a chance to stay competitive in games. I I agree on that that last point as well. Like the Broncos defense, third in total yards, third in passing yards, sixth in rushing yards, second in points, and third in third down percentage. Polar opposite of that. Offense. 17th in total yards, 18th in passing, 12th in rushing, 31st in total points. There's only 32 teams in the league. (laughs) And 17th in third down percentage. Wow. Yeah. I mean, say, once again, this defense reminds me of Peyton Manning Super Bowl 50. That's what this defense reminds me of. Strictly going out and looking at Russell Wilson and saying, just don't lose the game. Yeah. Honestly. We will win, just don't lose. Bradley Chubb, week one against the Seahawks, first half. I remember looking at my mother and saying, it's a contract year for him. He better wake up. And boy, he must have heard me. Because that boy woke up in a big fashion. Chubb decided to go off, and I hope he goes off again against the Raiders here as well. Hey, we'll take a look at that. Like, wow. Gold Bradley Chubb, keep it up. Keep him a Bronco, because the Broncos didn't want to pay to keep Von Miller. And could you imagine if, if we kept Bronco or if we kept Von Miller and Chubb? We had them both, but Bradley Chubb couldn't stay healthy for a whole season. And then Von Von was taking all the brunt of it and then left. And we yeah, just so you didn't said, no, you got Von Miller double covered every goddamn play. Yeah. <clears throat> now we finally have Bradley Chubb. What are they doing? Double covering him. We got some guy. We got some pass rusher from the Cowboys that he's doing good. So he's taking. A, he's not able to actually get around if Bradley Chubb doesn't. We have a great pass rush going here. Yeah. Also, second thing here. This will be the first week that we play some defense, some offense that's worth a damn. Very true. We get the 49ers with Jimmy Garoppolo. Hey, hey, hey now. First off, hey, 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 calm down. Let me finish before <laughs> you start getting after me. Yeah. One, 
I get you guys paid Trey Lance, and he's your guy of the future, but for the love of all that is good in this world, let Jimmy Garoppolo beat Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> he brought you to the playoffs. And then next year you went, we're going to put, we're going to play with Trey Lance. You've got to be kidding me. You're going to probably make the playoffs again this year with Jimmy Garoppolo. And when he comes back, when Trey Lance comes back next year, you're going to sit there and go, all right, thanks, Jimmy, for another two seasons in the playoffs. Well, we're going to go with Trey Lance. I hope you lose every damn season with Trey Lance. <laughs> I love it. <clears throat> but it, it's true, though, because, I mean, if you take a look at Jimmy G when he came back, I mean, in his his first drive, didn't skip a beat. Debo Samuel running out there. Brandon Ayuk running out there. Didn't miss him. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo is a dude that was consistent. And granted, yes, he had his mistakes. He does. He Garoppolo's the shit out of some stuff. But then also he Garoppolo's the shit out of everything on the good side. And I mean, it's like, dude, he's consistent. He is smart. He is there. Pay the man. And the, 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 the Niners had to pay the man. He is getting paid. He yeah, got the, paid two hundred thousand for that game. <laughs> I was gonna say the Niners paid him. They were up front with him. They said, "Okay, here you go." He's getting paid. Oh Trust yeah, me. he's gonna get paid because next week, who do the Forty Niners have the Rams next week? Lord knows how that's gonna go. Let's see. Let's take a poll. Which Matthew Stafford do you think is gonna show up? And funny enough, he actually decided he wanted to show up in the Super Bowl. Hey, you know what? That's the best time for you to show up. But then again, he he wanted to show up in the playoffs, and he did show up in the playoffs as Matthew Stafford back with the Lions. The rest of the Lions did not. Matthew Stafford was the exact opposite of Joe Burrow. He had the line to protect him, and they did. But the rest of the team was out. Joe Burrow just doesn't have doesn't have the front. <laughs> but anyways. It, it, I agree. It should be interesting. Stafford versus Garoppolo on Monday night. I will be watching because I've got Debo Samuel. But I love to see it. And then you throw in the Chiefs and the Bucks to close out Sunday night football. That should be a bloodbath. A Super Bowl rematch, if you will, without Gronk. So we'll see how that does. Because... <clears throat> I, I personally think, too, not having Gronk there, granted, having Mike Evans back this week will will be crucial for Tom Brady and the Bucks. But not, not having Gronk there for Tom Brady, that's like the Vikings not having Adam Thielen. Not being able to have your guy to dish it off to on a third and five or a fourth and one or a, a, second and, or a third and goal when you need that score. You need that first oh, down. Great to have him feeling, huh? I get Justin Jefferson had two bad weeks. But wow, already just completely forgot about him, didn't you? Who, Jefferson? No, I'm not forgetting about Justin Jefferson. I'm just talking about how Adam Thielen is. Adam Thielen has been consistently, and as we go into an hour and ten minute or an hour and twelve minutes of this, Adam Thielen has been the guy consistently for the Vikings. And Easton, our old roommate, Gumto, our old roommate, Justin, our old roommate, all from Minnesota, all the South Canadians, and anybody else in South Canada, Minnesota. I'm sorry, I'm gonna I'm gonna piss off a lot of people. I like saying South Canada. South Canadian. South Canadian. Justin is the only one from northern Minnesota, north of the Twin Cities. Easton and Chris are both on damn near the border of Iowa. Why is Southern he defending Canadian, my ass? <laughs> they're they're South South Canadian. Northern Iowa. 
<laughs> Anyways, so here's here's where I, I I lay this out. Adam Thielen was not going to get replaced. Jerry Judy just became the outside threat, or not Jerry Judy, Justin Jefferson became the outside threat that everybody was thinking that he would while he was that at LSU. He transferred that into the NFL, and he is that. Adam Thielen is the consistency. Adam Thielen is the fallback. Adam Thielen is the guy that you can say we have a third, and it proved it, because here's the thing. Against the Lions, they had like a four, They had like a third and a third and goal, and the broadcasters were talking about it. They were like, all right, well, Adam Thielen hasn't been targeted at all. And then what do you freaking know? Adam Thielen gets targeted, catch, touchdown. Three plays, or the next drive, third down, short situation, Adam Thielen. Couple plays later, third and short, Adam Thielen. And then Adam Thielen became getting hit in the chest. Adam Thielen is the guy that once you start lighting that fire, he does not go out. He's the guy that will get you short downs. He's the guy that will actually come up and get a long one every once in a while. But he's the fallback. Justin Jefferson is still the weapon and the dagger. Thielen is just the sword that may finish it off with the execution head cut off. But with that, Kenny, for your first actual full podcast, you're an hour and 15 minutes in on strict NFL talk. How you doing? No, I'm doing just fine. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm, uh, I'm having fun. I'm able to talk football. And as you guys can tell, I've been able to talk football quite a bit. You're in a parking garage, aren't you? Not yet. Where are you? <laughs> uh, right now, I'm actually about to go to the bathroom, so I'm going to mute my microphone for a little bit. Oh. Okay, well, cool. So we're we're there. We'll we'll say this. He <clears throat> so Kenny has been on a show that I had. I tried to start it during COVID. It was called Tricky Talk. It was back on my good old YouTube. Didn't really go anywhere. No, it was a flop. That's fine. That was before I picked up the covert show here with JC. And he invited me on the covert show. I shouldn't say pick up. He invited me on 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 the show. And I have had an absolute blast being on the show. I love I love this. I love the audience that we got. Um, if you haven't hit up the Instagram, you definitely need to because I'm going to start doing NFL Sunday updates, hopefully, and college football that I usually do on Saturdays. But no, so Kenny and I started started out a show with one of our old roommates, Easton, that I talked about, and he was he laughed because he goes, "Please don't make it be like the last time." And I was like, "What do you mean?" He goes, "Well, please don't make me say great guy, great teammate," because we had we we talked about the draft, <laughs> the NFL draft, and he's listening to me. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about college football in the NFL draft, and I, I brought learn up about these guys. Keep going. I don't. Hold on, your phone's cutting out here. He's in his parking garage, so I'll 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 take this one because he'll probably come back talking. But we, me and Easton brought up A.J. Epinesa, who was the defensive end out of Iowa, one of the best tacklers in the country at the time. And he got drafted to the Bills. And I said, dude, what do you – I was like, Kenny, what do you think about the A.J. Epinesa pickup? Like, he went late. The Bills picked him up. How do you feel? And he goes, to be honest, great guy, great teammate, don't know much about him. Stuck him in a <laughs> – elevator <laughs> and for the ones of you that know good old Steve Eady understand that no matter what no matter who was on our team everybody on there was a great guy great teammate yeah that was where he everybody. got it from 
Our coach. Everybody was a great guy, great teammate, and there was nothing you could say about nobody. Because we were all great guys and we were all great teammates. So, Epinesa, great guy, great teammate. <laughs> nothing bad to say about him. <clears throat> so that's how Kenny got his intro into podcasting, or at least sports talk show. But now I hope I've eased him in a little bit. And I don't know if he's going to go. I would love for him to stay on, but if he's going to go, I understand, because I still got a little bit to fill in for the show. And I did tell him that he'd only be on for like an hour and an hour or an hour and a half. <laughs> we filled up. See, Nick, and here's where the greatest part about Las Vegas, Las Vegas traffic is, is good oh, old yeah. me. I'm actually heading up to my car right now in my parking garage. And what we're going to do is we're going to go in there. I got my headphone in because you know what? We don't hold our phone and drive. And we're going to sit there and have our headphone in and we'll talk on the phone for the drive home. Because I got about a 20, 25 minute drive home. There we go. All right. So cool. Kenny's joining us for the rest of the podcast. And as we get here, we're an hour and 16 minutes in. If you guys haven't already seen the timer, we thank you for joining us. But at the same time, he, Kenny mentioned it. And it's, it's, been, it's been sitting in the back of everybody's mind. It's been sitting, sitting on four walks. It's been sitting on a strikeout call that was at the knees that was low. It's been sitting on a tee. He's just got to take it. And you know what? He finally freaking did it. Aaron Judge has now hit 61 homers in a single season and ties Roger Maris. Quest for 62 begins. Granted, I am not a Yankees fan. I, I will say this loud and proud. I'm not a Yanks fan at all. 100% no. But I will say this. I like Aaron Judge. I like some of the guys on the Yankee staff because they're dogs. And I am 100% happy that Aaron Judge has hit home run number 61. Now, I, I, I found this funny because I, I looked this up. Or I found this on TikTok, literally scrolling through this morning. Or no, it was last night. And this guy was making a video that said a Dodgers pitcher came, or uh, a pitcher for the Red Sox came out and said there was not a lot of mud on a uh, a few of the balls that was thrown to Aaron Judge. Like they were clean, they were dry, they were anything. Trying to say maybe on the fact of the balls were like the baseball was clean. That Aaron Judge was getting "quote unquote" fed home runs, the same thing that and Albert... everyone's gonna say that oh. all the live long day. Nobody ever wants anybody in that goddamn league to break a record. I swear, no matter what, pitcher throws a perfect game. Oh, we got some calls from the umpire. Aaron Judge did sixty-one home runs. Oh, we got some lucky breaks. Pitchers hanging pitches. Ain't that part of the game? You still gotta hit the ball, don't you? <laughs> Pretty dude, I I'm hundred percent the same Preach. way. I'm hundred percent. <laughs> I don't care. I'll I'll point this out. I was watching the Dodgers and the Padres last night. Hater was pitching in the ninth inning. Top of the ninth inning. Hater couldn't locate his off speed for anything. He was throwing ninety nine percent fastball. Any pitch he threw off speed was a ball. Point blank and the period. And guess what? The Dodgers struggled to hit 98 in the zone because that was the only way to get called. 
and the Dodgers were they were late, they were behind. Only one ninety eight, ninety nine. Yeah. Then their Turner comes up, hit the hit the leadoff double, and then uh, let's see, Turner, Freeman, Freeman strikes out. Justin Turner comes up, hits a lazy fly ball. It's a lazy fly ball. Doesn't or let's see, there was a walk in there. No, no, there was an error. Um, I think it was someone hit a hard ground ball. Will Smith hits a hard ground ball at the shortstop, moves Turner over to third. Will Smith on first. Justin Turner comes up, hits a lazy fly ball to left. Profar comes up with no arm and gets lucky that he throws it into the into the third baseline so Turner can't score. He gets lucky. That's all that was. That was a dog shit throw. He got lucky. Yeah. Right? Next is a wild pitch from Hayter. Why? Because he probably tried to throw an off-speed pitch. <laughs> or he got crossed up. Because or that went down crossed. to the pass ball. Because, I don't know, the, the catcher didn't look like he was looking for that. I mean, it was a bad, all-around bad play. Turner scores. Will Smith on second base now. Next guy, Muncy walks. We get bases loaded and then an out. That was all mostly on fastball. So safe to say Josh Hader, not on A game. Pitchers. Not on A-game. Albert Pujols no, hit not. 700 home runs because pitchers weren't on their A-game. And, yes, he had great swings. It's doable, people. It's doable. They'll, they'll always make an excuse. They will oh, always yeah. make an excuse. Blows my mind. So. Absolutely blows my mind. They will always make an excuse for somebody of why someone did something. That's kind of cool. Yeah. We all know Barry Bonds won't be beat. Barry Bonds hit 75 home runs. Yeah, that that that's going to be 75 home runs in a single season tough. Actually, you know what? I think Barry Bonds might get beat, but he'll get beat probably in a few years down the road. Someone will eventually break that record because all records were meant to be broken. Oh, except yeah. For, uh, except for maybe uh, good old. I can't think of his name. Mr. Steel's base is a lot. Ricky Henderson. Oh, yeah. Ricky Henderson. That, uh, the stolen base record. Now, I'll say this. The base... stolen base record blocked in. Nolan Ryan's, per... Nolan Ryan's no-hitter record. That's locked in. Yeah. I Certain, certain things are just kind of locked in the record book. I, I, I will say this here. 75 home runs in a season. You have to get, and granted, yes, Hitting a baseball takes a lot of skill as a hitter. But still, you do have to get lucky with hitting a home run. Baseball is a game of pure skill, but it is a game of luck. Because baseball, you can fail seven times out of ten, and you can still be a dude that is starting in a lineup, getting paid millions of dollars, getting endorsements, getting everything. Baseball is a game to where failure is still good, and baseball is a game of where luck is literally all you're handed. Because, I'll tell you right now, <clears throat> Aaron Judge, fantastic hitter. Well, okay, hold on. I shouldn't say fantastic. Because he had the year of, he had the strikeout year of hobby, like a, looking like Abby Baez. And good Lord, 
If you haven't seen that video on Twitter of Javi Baez, and Kenny, if you haven't seen it within the last 15, well, not 15 hours, in the last 30, uh, I, I would say, if you haven't seen it in the last 30 minutes, then you're not scrolling through the right Twitter or TikTok stream. Aaron Judge is still a good hitter. You can hit 56 home, or you can hit 50 home runs in a season and be good. You can hit 60 home runs in a season and be there. He's looking to do the impossible, and that's hit 75. Is he going to be able to do it this year? He would have to hit. As I take a look at the Yankee schedule, that's the MLB schedule. What the hell? I was just looking at the run. Okay, there we go. So he would have to hit three more home runs tonight to get to, what would that be, 64? Yeah, 64. And then they've got a game against, they've got three games against the Orioles, and they've got four against the Rangers. He would he would literally have to hit to get to 76. He'd probably almost have to hit three home runs a game. And that that might be undermathing it, and that's just trying to do math in my head. Like that's bad. Don't let me do math you can't in my do head. Math in your head. So probably overestimate that probably be twelve. Yeah. Twelve home runs a game? No. If he hits three home runs a game, he should be fine. So but this year it might be it might be tough. Like he might come down to the wire and just do something ungodly impossible, and God might just say, "Here, Kenny, I gave Kenny a boat when he begged. I'm going to give Aaron Judge 76 home runs in six games." And yes, I brought it up because uh, it was funny. You know, I think <laughs> I might be asking a lot. I might be asking a lot. All I did was ask for a boat, and he sent me a sailboat. Yep, he did. Also, okay, so backstory. Because we're going to go down the rabbit hole, even though our baseball talk has been short. Rabbit hole-wise, Kenny and I went kayaking literally, what was it, a year ago, like last Monday, or like this past Monday? Correct. Not even, it wasn't a year ago, it was like three. We went kayaking in Storm Lake, on Storm Lake, and... We decided to be idiots and tried to do paddle wars, and we tried to ram each other with our kayaks and tried to hit each other off. Lo and behold, good old Dr. Dr. Wexler over there decides, I'm going to try to literally swing this and hit his kayak. As he is mid-swing, he is tipping over. The face that he made, folks, I cannot make this up, was priceless. It was hilarious. It was the look of, oh, shit. It was at this moment he knew he fucked up. Now, I'm going to try to explain this a little bit like Vince Scully would explain this. Oh, no. I'm going to try and really paint the picture here. Now, Nick's making it seem like it's a sunny, clear day. <laughs> it was it's windy sunny, as shit. Du- it's sunny, partly <laughs> cloudy with a slight breeze on a nice Sunday afternoon before class. We decide to go out, and there's a lake right in the middle of Storm Lake. And we decide we're going we're gonna to go all the way to it. Probably takes about an hour both ways to get there. It takes us about 30 minutes to get nice and beautiful. You're in the middle of a lake. You can barely see land. It's gorgeous. Nice, light breeze. We get back on the kayak. We're going out. Nick and I decide to screw around. Well, my kayak gets turned. And for those of you that kayak and you know the way the waves go, if the wave is going right to left and your kayak 
is facing forward and backward when and you're going and you're going against I guess with the wave you know it's very easy to roll the kayak safe and to say he imagine, rolled it. I sat there and mine went right with the wave and I sat there and Nick swung and I swung back and when I leaned to the left just a smidget just a smidget <laughs> I flipped and he's right the face I made consisted of a he, that is when he knew he fucked up and <laughs> lord I, did I mess up I couldn't get back in a kayak I couldn't roll the thing back over I almost lost my phone I lost my glasses I lost <laughs> my hat it was a yard sale for all the fish in the lake <laughs> and to make it even better, <clears throat> this man decides we, we were trying to get back to shore, and we were, we were smack dab in the middle of the damn lake. I mean, he there was no touching. It was about 40 feet down, and he goes, he finally floated. We did have life jackets on, so if you guys are thinking that he tried to drown, no, he did not. Granted, it was probably on his mind because he was pissed, but he goes he lays on his back starts to back float with his life jacket and screams at the top of his lungs if here if there is a god send me a freaking boat and sure i i swear i have no idea what god was doing that day and decided you know what this this one man i'm gonna particularly hear him oh he wants a boat there was a sailboat there within two minutes not even folks two minutes i cannot make this up two minutes and they pick him up, get him out of the water. I take the kayak back. We get him to land, and they're like, well, what were you guys doing? Where did he tip his kayak? And we're like, oh, we hit some chop. He just he turned his kayak the wrong way, hit it, tipped over, moved wrong. He was like, oh, all right. Little did he know we were just screwing around and trying to hit each other with paddles. But Kenny tipped it. The, the three-year anniversary of it was the other day. So, I mean, it was funny, and we laughed. But, no, there – there is the point to where it's like if Aaron Judge could hit 75 home runs in a single season, he could. You've got to ask for a boat. Got to ask for a boat. So kind of as we go here, we'll talk about a little bit of the MLB. <clears throat> we'll look at some of the standings here because I talked about this in the last episode. And so here's how this all goes down. And, Kenny, I don't know how much you've been looking at the standings, but I'll, I'll walk you through it here for just help. The Yankees – clinched the other night last night they clinched the American League East they're 95 and 59 they have an eight and a half game up on the Blue Jays we'll get to the wild card here in a little bit we'll get through the divisions here the Guardians actually clinched against or clinched over the White Sox they were 10 or they were 10 games up but they clinched the whole American League Central they're 86 and 68 the Houston Astros are 102 and 53 they clinched the West they clinched that a little bit ago we talked about that in the last episode Going to the National League here, the Cardinals clinched literally last night, or if not two nights ago, they clinched the NL Central, 90-65 and 65 on the year. They're 7.5 up on the Brewers. My Cubs, out. JC's Blue Jays still in the running for a wild card. Good old Kenny Wexler's Dodgers. Go Dodgers. They clinched a minute ago. They've been sitting. Viva los Dodgers. Viva los Dodgers. They've been sitting pretty. They are 106 and 48. They were the first team to hit 100 wins in baseball. They were the first team to clinch. They have been sitting. They've clinched the entirety. So they are the number one team overall. Looking at the wild card here, because I I wanted to take a look after this. 
Baltimore has dropped a little bit. They're three and a half well, games back. Let's on... talk about this real quick. Since you mentioned Baltimore, Baltimore is three and a half games back in the wild card, and they were sellers at the trade deadline. Make it make sense. Yeah. Why have to be a winning franchise? You're three and a half games back. You've got a shot, and you're a selling franchise at the trade deadline. What? Figure it out. Come on, Baltimore. If you're not going to try and win games, give the team to someone who might want it. But come on. And here, here's the funny story. So I don't. So Kenny, on this show, JC is a Blue Jays fan. So like the the other host that gets with me, he's a Blue Jays fan. At the beginning of the year, he was laughing his ass off because he said Baltimore's not going to be there. And granted, we throw JC under the bus with this all the time, and JC will throw himself under the bus because we have to laugh. But Baltimore finds a way to get a couple of young prospects. Gunder Henderson gets pulled up. Adley Rutschman finally gets pulled up. The Orioles find a way to – and Jorge Lopez just comes out and has a stellar year. You take a look at this team compared to Orioles teams in the years past, going back to, like, what was it, 2015, 2014, when they were in the AL uh, in the playoffs, and they're they're looking like a team that could still compete. I mean, yes, they were a selling team at the trade deadline, but, I mean, still, dude, they, they have come up and just obliterated everybody's expectations. Yes, they're still three and a half games back in the wild card, but compared to everybody else, the Jays are three games up. They're three plus. The Rays are still a game and a half up. And then the Mariners are even. So they can still possibly catch the Mariners. If they have a good weekend against the Yankees, they're set. Like, I personally think that Baltimore can still get back into this and make and possibly have Seattle fall. But the, the only thing is, is in their last 10 games, they're 5-5. Five and five. So the Orioles have not been playing good baseball at all. But I agree with you. If you're selling at the trade deadline, you need to be able to get this up and you need to be able to get a team that is still able to win because you are now in contention. So I agree with you on that standpoint. Other thing, I think it's the Phillies are the Phillies are in the wild card, and I think Milwaukee, I believe, if I'm right, is a game and a half back. Yeah. So how card. so how the NL goes as you bring that up, and I'll let you continue after this just to cl- clear that up. The Mets are 13 up. The Braves are 13 up. Both of them have clinched the playoff berth. Neither one of them has clinched the league. This may come down to a 163 or a 162. I forget what it is. Is it a 163 or 162? 163. Yep. So this may come down to a final game of, of how the Cubs and the Rockies or Cubs and the Brewers or Cubs and the Rockies, I forget, back in 17 played. This may come down to it. Because neither team is slowing down, neither team is giving an inch, and as soon as one team does, they're back on it. But the Braves have a four-game win streak. They're seven and three of their last ten. The Mets are seven and three of their last ten as well. The Padres aren't going to sneak there, but they're eight and two in their last ten. They're two and a half up. The Phillies are even, and they're sitting at eighty-three and seventy. So they're sitting there. The Brewers are one and or they're a game and a half back. So that was where your number comes in on who's a game and a half back. The Phillies are even, Brewers are a game and a half back. So, where were you going on that point? What were you, sorry, before I interrupted. Yeah, so you got the Phillies, you got the Brewers that are a game and a half back. I hate the Giants, so the Giants are already mathematically eliminated in my yep. mind. But the Phillies, here's what I think is 
absolutely hilarious. The Phillies are 13 games back in their division. Possibly with a wild card shot. What does that say about how good the Braves are? Like, wow. You got Milwaukee who's seven and a half back there, but only one and a half back in the wild card. I'm super excited, and I always love the home stretch in baseball. That's oh, yeah. why I really start watching games and I really start getting into it. Oh, fun fact. Gas in Vegas is five sixty five a gallon. Um I, I will be going back to the Midwest. <laughs> there you have it. Kenny Wexler coming back up, maybe making a guest appearance in good old Indianola, Iowa. Gas has gone up a dollar in the last three days. Holy anyway, shit. we don't need to talk about that. Oh, no, no. Screw that, bitch. Right. Anyway, yeah. 13 games back in their division. They got a wild card spot. Padres got a wild card spot. And I think, this is just me thinking, the Padres want to face the Dodgers in the playoffs. The Dodge, the Padres paid a lot of good money and traded away a lot of good stuff. Oh, yeah. To make a playoff spot. That and they did. that franchise truly believes they are rivals. Dodgers, Padres are big-time rivals. You know what you have to do in order to be a rival? Uh, win. You got to be able to beat the other team. <laughs> yeah. I don't know the exact stat, but I think the Padres have won two to four times against the Dodgers in all the times they've played. Um, that's one hell of a rivalry. I'm I'm trying to look up the history like here. One. Doesn't sound like a rivalry. Actually, it's a lot closer than you think. And granted, this still isn't close because it's almost 100 games over. So as of 2022, the Dodgers currently lead the series 509 wins over the Padres 414 wins. So you're you're looking at a 509 of 414 record. Otherwise, so the we Dodgers got almost 100 yeah. wins over the Padres. Oh yeah, big time. Now, I don't know if you could do it, but if you could narrow that down to the last, like, probably five years, I'll have a I look. would narrow it down to when Machado became a Padre. Hold on here. Give me a which second. Which I believe was about four years ago. Padres now, versus Dodgers. that right there was the turning point for the Padres. That's where they started to spend money. Because they realized, and it's the same thing that the Broncos realized when they went out and they got Russell Wilson, the Padres did the same thing. They said, we can't compete with the Dodgers unless we spend money. Yeah. So they went out and they spent money. This year they spent big money. They rented a ton of players this year. This year was the hashtag rent a player. <laughs> Johnny Holstaff. But look at that. I mean, they went out, they spent the money, they're going to make the playoffs. Now we really got to look at the team in general. Mm -hmm. And to say the least, 
to the Dodgers. <laughs> Craig Kimbrell has done well as soon as he got frozen as his walkout song. I'll give him that. <laughs> but, but, I mean, honestly, Taylor's got a 9 ERA since joining the Padres. hard to win playoff games that come down to the ninth inning with a nine ERA back in you. That is that is true. So taking that's a look at straight that's looking at straight stats there. Not that's not looking at anything else. And especially when you look at last night's game, he can only locate fastballs. Yeah. And also Dodgers so, couldn't hit it. Dodgers couldn't time up 98, 99, 100. But teams can't. If you're telling me you're going to throw a guy out there in a best-of-five series, you're going to throw him out there two out of the five games. Right? More yeah. than likely it's going to come down to two of five games. You're going to have your closer that's going to shut it out. And you're telling me Mr. Fastball is going to close it out? And Nick can vouch for this because Nick would never throw me a fastball in college. God <laughs> damn it. You threw me under the bus. Fastball. <laughs> Guys can hit fastballs. I can hit 99. It may not go straight, but he can hit 99. <laughs> Nick, Nick, why don't you go pick up the ball I hit off you, all right? Uh, he's pissed now. Shit, I poked the bear. By the way, the ball I hit off you. By the way, I want to point out the stat here. So within from 2015 up, the Dodgers are 83 and 41 against the Padres. 83 and 41. Yep. That's over 500 against the Padres. That's not a rivalry. That's not a rivalry. Hashtag not a rivalry. Yeah, that sucks. So, I personally think, as you kind of set this through, we have the standings here. We've talked about it all. The Mets and the Braves are still the only teams that are really duking it out doing battle. The Blue Jays, unless they they have a bad swing, which they're five of ten in their last, or they're five of five in their last, excuse me, ten games. Good lord, um, they're struggling, but they're still three games. So the Blue Jays are looking for the front runner in the main American or in the American League wild card. The Mets and the Dod or the Mets and the Braves are going to get it either way. The MLB is set for for a hot stretch down down the week. Safe to say. So now, Kenny, if you would like to exit the phone call, you may. But if you've done research, you may stay. Because I got to break you know, it down. I might, have, I might have to exit the phone call here, but you know what? I know whoever Nick is talking about, he's a great guy and he's a great teammate. He's a great guy, a great teammate. But Kenny, I'm going to let you give the, give the fans a little bit of a 30-second... 30-second, as we take an ad break here, not really an ad break, but as we take a 30-second break, let the let the people know about your enjoyment of the show. Tell them what you thought. Give them a couple more points as we go down, and we'll let you take the floor. Go for it, Mr. Wexler. You know, I'm going to take my 30-second, and I really appreciate you guys taking the time and letting me come on the show, let me talk about the NFL as much as I love talking about it. And it was great being able to talk about the MLB as well. Sorry, I don't know much about college football. You know, highly recommend watching the show. Sounds like Nick's doing a great job. And you know what? I'm sad I didn't get to have anyone else that I got to debate with today. I always debate with Nick. Uh, hopefully they bring me back on. 
Uh, hopefully this brings out a lot of joy to you, to the people listening. And honestly, I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your week. Enjoy Thursday night football. Enjoy the MLB postseason coming up. Well, did you get it all said? You know what? I did that. <laughs> Good day. And you know what? My name is Kenneth Wexler. I'm a financial representative. Oh, no. He's Please doing, feel free to reach he's doing out. a business bitch. Son of a bitch. All right. I run my own business. Feel free to reach out. Nick has my information. Oh, my. Call into the show. <laughs> all right. So that has been Kenneth Wexler as he does his business pitch. But like we talked about, he is hopping off because I'm going to break down college football hopefully within less than 30 minutes because we're an hour and 45 into the show. It's a two-hour show. And I didn't warn Kenny before this happened, but usually everybody knows how this show goes. We didn't dive down a whole bunch of rabbit holes today, which I'm kind of sad about, but I thought it was fun. Did you think it was fun? I did. I hope I get brought back on eventually. Well, we'll definitely have to bring you back on halfway through the year if, you know, a tree stand doesn't call me early on a thir- or early on a Wednesday night. But Kenny, you may hang up. I will text you after we get done finish recording, but thank you for joining us on episode 38 of the Covert Show as we get into the college football. You have a good rest of your night, sir. Thank you very much, sir. It was a pleasure being on the show. I hope to be back on. Have a wonderful rest of your night and look forward to talking <laughs> to you again soon. All righty, bud. Talk to you later. Talk to you later. Bye. All right. So, Kenneth Wexler on the show. Loved having him. Good guy. Like, talking about NFL with him, it's fun. Because, I mean, as we're doing this as, like, a live recording on on this Wednesday night, September 28th, like, I mean, the dude just, he knows his football. Like, he's very good. He's He does his betting on the weekend, so he pays attention. And we were talking, and just, I was like, you know what, what, what more of a perfect guy to have on the show? But the one thing he doesn't know how to talk about is college football. And that really sucks because I like talking college football. So as we break it down, last week, we'll talk about it. James Madison. Nobody thought I was going to start here, did you? (laughs) Pulling it straight out of a hat with a rabbit. James Madison decides to come into Appalachian State and just say, you know what? Boom. We're going to punch you in the face. You don't like it? We're an FCS school now. We're no longer FBS. We're, at F- or we're no longer FCS. We're at FBS. So they punched him in the face and decided to win, beat Appalachian State, upset him, and it was huge. So as we take a look at the score, James Madison 32-28 to over Appalachian State. It was it was an insane game. If you hadn't watched a lot of it, it was good. Um, I sadly did not watch a lot of it. I watched a lot of the highlights of it because I was busy paying attention to a lot of other college football around the country. So ha- as we break it down last week, Talking huge games. Hold on here. Let me see. Let me see where I want to start. All right, we'll do this one. DJ Ungalalie, Kansas, Clemson or not? <laughs> wow, my brain's thinking somewhere else. I went to the team below it, not Kansas. Clemson, DJ Ungalalie, Wake Forest, the rivalry. 51 and 45 and two overtimes. And oh my gosh, if you couldn't think that Davos Sweeney and Clemson could have pulled it off, they pulled a rabbit out of a hat. They pulled their head out of their ass and decided Clemson's just going to still be up top. Clemson defensively still good. Now, Wake Forest as an offense, a Wake Forest as the 21th ranked team in the country? Yeah, absolutely. I like this Wake Forest team. They're scrappy, 
they're very good. And then I wasn't so sold on Clemson this year, and I'm still not. Because their defense isn't as good as they were, but granted, against this Wake Forest offense, that, that's a better Wake Forest offense that we've seen in the past. That's a better ACC offense that we've seen. Clemson defensively struggles a little bit. Clemson offensively. They're not back. Not 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 national championship contender. I'm still sorry. You haven't proven me much. Ungolalie looks a little bit. He looks better. Not a little bit. He looks a lot better than he was. Will Shipley having him as a rushing leader helps. So can't or Clemson still looking. They're ranked fifth in the country. They've got a tenth ranked NC State team that this game usually just goes ham, and I love it. I will be watching this game. I don't care if I'm in a tree. I don't care if I'm sitting in a uh, on a bed. Like I don't care where I'm at. I will be watching some of this game. If not, I will have alerts on. Because this NC State Clemson game has always gone down to the wire. It is one of the best rivalries in college football. And I'm actually I wouldn't even call it really a rivalry because it, it it is, but it isn't. It's not like a rivalry week rivalry, like a like a heroes game, like a Paul Bunyan axe. Like it, it's not any of those. But it's a big rivalry. So, there's that. Clemson has NC State coming up this week. Here's here's a here's a huge hitter. Oklahoma, and as I'm getting a text, somebody's sending me a message on Snapchat that I haven't seen in a while. Sorry, I'm getting distracted. Oklahoma, number six ranked team in the country. Huge, 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 huge offense. One of the best in the country. One of the best teams easily. Brett Venables took this team over and decided, you know what, we're going to start steamrolling people. We're going to get excited. We're going to get going. We're rolling. We're running. Yeah. All right. Brett Venables, behind you. You steamrolled Nebraska in Lincoln. I'm sorry to say it. I knew it was coming as a Nebraska fan. Yeah, you know what. Uh, And so here, here's also the here's also the thing. Kansas State has Adrian Martinez, former Nebraska Nebraska quarterback. And this is the thing that everybody was questioning when he transferred over to Kansas State. Was it Nebraska as a team? Was it Nebraska's offensive system? Was it Adrian Martinez turning the ball over all, all this time? Or... Was Adrian Martinez actually good? And Nebraska just ruined him like they were going to ruin Joe Burrow. And was, and and that's the thing of was Nebraska, was it the team? Adrian Martinez. And still Dylan Gabriel for Oklahoma. Uh, throw him throw him there. He had 300 plus yards. Adrian Martinez so far this year. In three weeks. I'm going to point this out. <laughs> 538 yards of passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. And this is and the, and he had a touchdown run that was late to give Kansas State an edge to put them down in the goal line to really take this game home and just smoking smoking hammering. I mean, Kansas State beat Oklahoma outright. 41-34. And Adrian Martinez is playing good at Kansas State, and it it sucks to say that. And it's and granted, no, I shouldn't say it sucks to say that. I should because it sucks that he wasn't this good at Nebraska and he wasn't this confident. 
I should say that it sucks to see him play this good because we ruined another quarterback. We didn't, and he is a guy that yes makes mistakes. Every quarterback does. He was very costly with the ball. I hated that, and Nebraska hated that. Like it was not, it was not a good set of fumbles every time. And granted, that was not just on him. He didn't have a lot of protection. He did not have the time to throw to be his athletic self. He was a little careless with the ball. I'll say it. He was careless with the ball. But at the same time, it is good to see him succeed at Kansas State. It's good to see Oklahoma lose. I like seeing Oklahoma lose. And sorry, as I'm kind of... Um, sorry, I'm, t- I'm trying to trying to type this out. Um, here till... Um, sorry. Wow, I'm I'm having a big blank. This wow, I'm spacing. So this was also a big rivalry coming up. USC, Oregon State. Oregon State has a history of derailing USC. Lincoln Riley finally decides. You know what? We're going to be the difference. I'm going to come in and just flush it. Well, he flushed it. It was, it was a close game, and it was everything that the, the USC-Oregon State small rivalry holds. USC ends up topping Oregon State 17-14. Lincoln Riley, that USC team, continuing to say, maybe we're a playoff team. Maybe. Maybe, 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 maybe. It's the same thing that Texas A&M says. We're maybe a playoff team. And I, I could see it. It's a shimmer, but I see it. And, but this is the thing that always turns... Turns the dial. <clears throat> turns me and turns everybody else off of the Pac-12. The Pac-12 has not had a consistent team to be able to possibly put to the playoffs. Utah has been the closest. The Utes have been the closest. And this is the, this is the thing. Utah has been a very good consistent team over the last six years. They have been, they've been able to make it to a couple of New Year's Six Bowls. They've been able to make it, make it through and try to, try to get through. Do that playoff run, but they lose the crucial games. And the Pac-12 does not have an, uh, the amount of teams to be able to say, okay, we are the Power 5 that should be considered the quote-unquote dark horse, but is not not there yet. Personally, I think the Big 12 is, because the Pac-12, this is how it breaks down. Let me let me run this for you as, as we go. And this is still early, folks. USC 4-0, 2-0 in the Pac-12. UCLA, 1-0 in the Pac-12, 4-0 overall. Washington, same way as UCLA. Cal, 1-0, 3-1. Oregon, 1-0, 3-1. Utah, 1-0, 3-1. Oregon State, 0-1, 3-1. Washington State, 0-1, 3-1. Arizona State, 2-2. Or Arizona and or Arizona is 2-2. 0-1 in conference. Arizona State. 0-1, 1-3. One, one Colorado, 0-1, 0-4. Stanford, 0-2, 1-2. Old powerhouses are out. Colorado, who used to be somewhat consistent, and uh, I'm not going to say somewhat consistent, but used to be there, out. In the Big 12. Pac-12, since they moved, out. Stanford, out. Arizona, or Arizona State, excuse me. After firing Herm Edwards, out. Herm Edwards was supposed to be your saving grace. He was not. Sorry, Sun Devils, out. 
Arizona. After last year, I'm sorry. Out. Wow. Oregon State. They fight. They play. They're there. Oregon. Not the team that we thought they were going to be ranked 11th in the year, coming out and getting swamped by Georgia. But you know what? Lincoln Riley taking over a new USC team who is consistent or who has consistently shown in the past. Now I'm going to go past past that they are uh, they're big powerhouse. Yeah, you're there. Utah, can you be there? Oh yeah, Utah, absolutely, they can be there. But the Pac-12 consistently for playoffs is not is not there. I I don't see them coming in a playoff run. USC ends up closing the schedule out against Notre Dame this year. Who uh, Notre Dame as a, as a team, you guys do not impress me at all this year. And I, I I will dog on Notre Dame. I'm sorry. I I can't not help but do it. So as we move along for the schedule before we kind of go <clears throat> into these next weeks, Oregon scaves off a win against uh, Washington State. 41 to 14 or 41 to, or 44 to 41 words are hard. NC State devours Yukon 41 to 10. Tennessee holds off the Gators in Knoxville for college game day. Rocky Top was playing. It pissed a lot of people off. Rocky Top and Tennessee are finding a way to say, "Hey, you know what? We're here. We're there. We're consistent now." Tennessee, Anthony Richardson, there. Boom. Like Ten, ten, or Anthony Richardson had a good game for Florida. But Tennessee, I mean, holy crap. You have a Tennessee Vols team who offensively this year, just nuts off the board. I mean, Hendon Hooker in three weeks has 1,100, almost 1,200 yards. Or four weeks, 1,200 yards. Beat a fantastic pit team who potentially could win the ACC, or at least potentially place for the ACC. Florida, who... The SEC is always ranked 20, but uh, yeah, I mean, ten or four is there. Tennessee is now looking to make a run. They have a week with LSU here, or they have a bye week and then a week with LSU before October 15th to, to battle Bama. And then they have number seven, Kentucky, who this year, Kentucky looks good. Very, very good. They've got Kirby Smart and the Georgia Dogs, who also look really, really good. But they've got, they've got, Two schedule-tested teams beat Bama. Who's going to argue that Bama's a schedule-tested team? Okay, fine. I'm going to just, Bama, I'm going to look at the schedule here. I'm going to have a look if my laptop loads. Thank you. Bama 4-0 on the year. Bama is a schedule-tested team this year. I'm actually going to I'm, I'm gonna agree with it. They've got number 20 Arkansas coming up this weekend. They've got Texas A&M who's ranked 17th in the country. And then they got Tennessee, and then they got number 14 Ole Miss. Alabama this year is schedule tested. And granted, the SEC always has ranked teams. They will never not have more than eight teams ranked in the SEC. Like, I mean, granted, it's there. Bama could be a schedule test team. They had their struggle against Texas. I still say that Bama's not the same team that they have been in the past, but are they going to probably be in the top five throughout the entirety of the year? Yes, they will. So here's the thing. Miami, Coral Gable, you lost to Middle Tennessee State. Something's got to be done. Hurricanes not looking like the same offense. Middle Tennessee, 45-31. Running through again, trying to find teams. Cincinnati ends up pulling it out against uh, Indiana, 45-24. The Bearcats still trying to figure it out without Desmond Ritter. 
And, you know, that was pretty much Texas and Texas Tech. That game came down to the wire looking back at another 2010 scare for Texas. Well, you know what? The nightmares came back. Texas pulls all the way down there and gets it to overtime within less than 20 seconds. And you know what? It doesn't work. Texas falls short. Lubbock is still continuing to be the, the grave digger for the Longhorns. 37-34, to 34, Texas falls. They are now drop out of the rankings. Kansas, we're going to talk about it because nobody sees it. And granted, they're the top offense. And, uh, everybody's going to say, Nick, you're so hard on college football. You're so hard on this. I don't care. Kansas... Since the first time since early 2000, they are the leading offensive scoring team in the nation. They are one of the leading offensive scoring team in the nation. Here, here's how I break this down. 56 points in game one, 55 in game two, 48 in game number three against Duke, 35. Defense has struggled. Tennessee Tech, they had 10. They allowed 10 points. It's Tennessee Tech. That's not there. West Virginia, good West Virginia team, 42 points. But great, uh, good West Virginia team. That's a big win. That's a conference win. That's a big win. Houston. That's a good Houston team. That's coming to the Big 12. That's a big win. 30 points allowed. Duke. Not the best team, but that's an ACC team. That is an ACC team. You have three teams that you have beat. A Power 5. A a future Power 5. And then another Power 5 in the ACC. You have three teams that you have beat. You have Iowa State coming up this week, who is still a decently solid Iowa State team. Not not the best Iowa State team. You would have preferred to beat them with Purdy and preferred to beat them with uh, Brees Hall. They're 3-1 and one on the year, though. You have them coming up this week. I'm, I'm loving Kansas in this game. I'm loving to see that Kansas is deciding to say, you know what, enough is enough. We're, we're playing football. Like, it, it's huge. Les Miles doing, doing what he can. The basketball school stepping up. So, there's that. Running through the next here. If I can... If my laptop decides to crap itself here, I'm going to be slightly PO'd. So, week five coming up. Tomorrow night, South Carolina versus uh, South Carolina State. Utah State versus BYU, another future Big 12 team. BYU proving why they do shit. They're good. Friday, we got a handful of games. Tulane, Houston, UTSA, Middle Tennessee State. San Diego State, Boise State, Washington, number 15 in the country, coming off a bunch of big wins here. Washington trying to blow out UCLA. New Mexico State, UNLV. Now, getting into the Saturday games, the day we all love to see. Michigan, Iowa, Iowa, struggling. One of the worst offensive teams in the nation. Michigan, I got you. Number four in the country, you're there. Kentucky versus Ole Miss. Oxford is going to be loud. It's going to be proud. You have an Ole Miss team who is trying to stake their claim from last year. You have a Kentucky team who is trying to restake a claim from a couple years ago. I personally still like Kentucky in this. I say the Wildcats come out. They take away a game in Oxford. So, Oklahoma, TCU, number 18, Oklahoma, sits there. Minnesota, Purdue, Minnesota, after a big win against Michigan State, they're looking to try to continue their run and be the team that wins the Big Ten West. That game is at 11. K-State cracking up in the top 25. They've got Texas Tech. Other big games across the country. Utah takes a takes a road or takes a test at home against Oregon State. That should be a good game. James Madison versus Texas State. 
Give me James Madison. I'm all on the Bulldogs run after beating Appalachian State. That should be good. Arkansas, Bama. I personally think that if Alabama loses a game this year, it's going to be between. Hold on here. Make sure they don't have Georgia. They do not. I say if you take if you take a game away from Bama, it's going to be either Arkansas or Tennessee. I think that Texas A&M outmatches, the, or I think that Bama outmatches Texas A&M a little bit. I like the pig fire. And actually, I would love to see Bama drop all three of these games because all three, Arkansas, A&M, Tennessee, are hot. They've got a lot of young guys. Coaching core is looking good. Bama just as a team this year has not impressed me. They're sitting. Ohio State has Rutgers. Number nine, Oklahoma State is number 16. Baylor, Baylor coming off a big win against Iowa State last week. That should be a good game. That is in Waco, Penn State, Northwestern, Florida State, and Wake Forest. Wake Forest did not move out of the top 25. They're still number 22. They've got number 23, Florida State, on the road. Kansas, as I I said earlier, has Iowa State. That should be a good game. Maryland, after coming off a heartbreaking loss against Michigan, they got Michigan State this weekend. Maryland looking like a team that could compete. I mean, you hold the number four team in the country to... To what they scored, I mean, you look at Michigan here from last week. Sorry, a little light pause. 34-27, you you held them within seven points. I mean, that's huge. As a Maryland team coming in against that, that's huge. Michigan team that really defensively suffered, now has has a quarterback, you're fine. Going down the list, where did I leave off? Texas drops out of the top 25. They got West Virginia. Georgia faces Missouri, opens up SEC play. Number 10, NC State, they've got, like I said, number five, Clemson. That should be a good game. I really want to see NC State win this game just strictly because I'm still not sold on Clemson. I'm still, I love Dabo Sweeney, but I'm not sold on this Clemson team. I don't think that they, without Lawrence and Deshaun Watson and the the weapons that they've had, I don't think that they are the same team. And I think this NC State team could come up big and somewhat win the the ACC on that that, uh, Atlantic side. But they still have to deal with Florida State, who's a good Florida State team. They still have to deal with Wake Forest, who is no no way by any means out after only losing to Clemson. The ACC is tough. They beat each other up, death and death. Duke is 3-1. and one. They have not played a conference game. The only uh, only three teams that have on the coastal side are Virginia Tech. They're 1-0. and oh. They're 2-2 two and two overall. Virginia, who's 2-2, 0-1. Two two, Georgia Tech, who's 0-1, oh 1-3. So, moving right back along here to the main schedule as I left off with NC State. As we're two hours into this now, good lordy. But, you know what? We love it. We love doing it. Hopping down the list here. Nebraska back in action against Indiana. We need to win. That's a mu- they, This is a must win. If you lose, there is no hope for the program. Volleyball school, here we come. And I shouldn't say that because... Of the amount of times that I have defended Nebraska, the amount of times that I have defended myself and defended the GBR nation in the scarlet and the cream. But if you lose this game against Indiana and you still continue to prove that even after firing Frost and after everything that's been going on, we cannot get over the hump. It's going to be a tough, it's it's the toughest hole you can dig out of at this point. And I'm sorry, I love the boys in the scarlet and the cream, but it's going to be tough. And finally, closing it out, number 13, Oregon has Stanford. USC has Arizona State. Pitt has Georgia Tech. Sunday, Florida, Eastern Washington, UCF, SMU. Moving into the rankings really quick. Break down the top 25. Georgia still remains number one. Bama, number two. Ohio State, four. Michigan, five. Or Michigan, four. Ohio State is three. 
Can't read. Clemson's five. USC is six. Kentucky seven. Moving up one spot. Tennessee moving up three after a, a huge win against Florida. Oklahoma State stays the same. NC State moves up two. They're ten. Penn State moves up back to eleven. They're they're finding a rhythm on offense. And Penn State looks nice. They look clean. Utah, 12. Oregon, 13. They move up two after a big win last week. Ole Miss, they're moving up. They're 4-0. Washington, 4-0. Washington came out of the dark. They're one of the <laughs> they're also one of the hottest scoring teams in the country, so watch out. Huskies moving up. Baylor, 16. Texas AM, 17. They move up six after a big win last week as well. Oklahoma drops. Huge. Drops 12 after. Losing to K-State, getting upset. They are now 18. BYU stays even. Arkansas after a big game last week. And this was the thing. They lost to Texas A&M. They lost to a ranked team after kicking a ball off the top of the goalpost. But they dropped 10. They dropped 10. Nobody gave them the credit. They dropped from 10 all the way down to 20 after losing to Texas A&M, who's a good Texas A&M team. So that that's why the rankings are so screwed up until they get to the playoff ranking. Arkansas drops down. Minnesota takes up the 21st spot after being not ranked. They're 4-0. Wake Forest drops one, 22. Florida State comes back in after not being ranked. They're 4-0. Pitt finally hops back in. They stayed at 24. And then K-State drops in at 31. So, two te- or the three teams that drop out, Miami, obviously, Texas, yeah, they're, they've got a little bit of work without main quarterback. But Kate is doing good. Or Card is doing good. Card is, he's figuring it out, but Texas still just struggling. And then Florida, they drop out after a big win. And so, as we drop it here with two hours and ten minutes, we thank you guys for joining us on the podcast. I know we talked heavy on sports. I know that you guys like to come here for the difference. The, like, the difference. But we appreciate you having having us. We appreciate Kenny for coming on on the show. It was very fun having him. We appreciate the fact that we can just talk and and do our stuff and just be guys. We appreciate the fact that you guys are sticking with us and we're going to try to get as, as much as possible done within the next couple of weeks when I have to start getting into hunting with my job. And JC and RC are going to be doing their stuff, and we appreciate the schedule flips. But... We hope you guys still like it. We're going to be cutting out some clips. We'll be posting them on social media. If you guys want us to talk about something, if you guys think of any nostalgia from back in the day, let us know. Let us hop on. Let us talk about it, and we'll try to do what we can, and we'll start it off on the next show. Like I said, I know this was very sports-heavy. I know Kenny was very big on the NFL talk, and we wanted to have his opinions on there. So once again, we thank him. But as we say, hope you guys have a great night, and thank you for listening to episode number 38 of The Covert Show. Cheers and have a great rest of your evening and have a great weekend. If you're hunting this weekend in Iowa, it's opening day. So let's hit it up. Share some pictures. Tell us what you're doing and then peace out.